Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. It's real-life stories and sometimes PG-13. It is the crushed grape that yields the wine. Author unknown. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Hear true life stories, catch good vibes, and be inspired by engaging messages. On this show, we'll think twice about life, faith, and just what could be possible when the two are united. Broadcasting from the beautiful Great Lakes state of pure Michigan, here's your host, Dan Henderson. Hello, thank you for listening. Today's show is entitled Mended Hearts, Hope and Healing After Abortion. We all know that abortion is a huge point of contention. However, God is the God of restored relationships. Where there's anger and hate, he brings peace. With guilt and shame, he brings love and forgiveness. Our stories today give us a closer look at abortion and the hope and healing found through faith. Later on in the show, we will let you know about an amazing free resource to help those struggling with post-abortive regret. We're calling it The Haven. Now let's get right into our first story. It's from an amazing organization called CareNet. Find more resources from them at care-net.org. My name is Tony, and I grew up in a really dysfunctional family, probably more dysfunctional than the average family out there. When I was very young, my father sold me to men, and that started me on a path of destruction and abuse um, that led me to a forced abortion when I was 18 years old. And I learned basically that my only worth and self-value was to be used for sex with men. I didn't understand that um, I had any other value than that. When I grew up and moved out in a way and on my own, um, I moved in with a boy that I hardly knew and I became pregnant right away. I'm very dysfunctional at this time in my life, but knowing that I wanted this child, I knew my boyfriend was gonna say, you're gonna get an abortion. So I feared telling him, but I did, and that's what he did. He said, well, no problem. We'll take care of it. We'll get you an abortion. And I said, oh, no. (laughs) This is the one thing I'm going to stand up for. I could not stand up for myself my whole life, but I'm going to stand up for this child, and I'm not getting an abortion. And for the next couple of weeks, all I heard from him were things like, No one is ever going to love you. Who is going to love a single mother with a child? You're going to get fat and ugly. And I heard these things and numerous other things over and over and over, day after day. It was hitting my every insecurity because, remember, my only value was in how I looked. To stop the emotional abuse and coercion, I agreed to go to a health clinic to talk about having an abortion and also what my other choices were. Really what I wanted was help. I wanted help keeping my baby, but I was at a breaking point where I couldn't take this abuse anymore. So I told him to make the appointment and he took me to a women's health clinic. I walked in the door and no one was talking to me. 
No one was asking me, why are you here? I was called back to the back room by myself. I was with a nurse. She was just cold, didn't say a word. And I was not feeling good. She motioned for me to sit in a chair, very similar to a chair like this. I immediately told her, I said, I am not here to have an abortion. And she still isn't talking to me. I got up out of my seat and I said, I am out of here. I am leaving. I am not here to have an abortion. And she took her hands, she placed them on my shoulders, and she pushed me back down in the chair. She pulled a needle out of her pocket and she put it in my arm. And within a few seconds, I was out. I was unconscious. I woke up later to the nurse staring at me, practically was carried out of the abortion clinic. Um, and I, ex extreme depression just set in from there. I, because of the, the way I grew up and the things that have happened to me, I believe that that was my fault. I believe that if only I would have been stronger with my no, that this wouldn't have happened to me. I, I faced those fears and I confronted them and I received a tremendous healing process of grace and love and I was adopted. I was adopted by my Father in heaven, a Father who's not going to sell me, a Father who loves me even though I got pregnant out of wedlock, a Father who healed my wounds from the horrible things that men have done to me. I want to tell those of you who are watching who have been coerced into abortion or have been forced that you're not the only one. There's nothing more that you could have done to stop that. Find someone that you can confide in. Find someone that you can talk to, that you can trust. Begin the healing process. Come out of denial. It's scary, but once you do it, I guarantee you I guarantee you that you will be filled with the love and the peace that you have been searching for your whole life, and you will have reasonable happiness in this life. Share the experience of our incredible true life stories at thinktwicetv.com forward slash our stories. My name is Lavette. I was raised in a Pentecostal home. We was the family that was at church every single Sunday, but we didn't practice anything that was preached at home. My dad was an alcoholic and he beat my mom on a regular, which led me to going out in the streets looking for love. My first experience with an abortion clinic was at the age of 16, but I had an infection, so I could not get the abortion. I thank God every day because I have a beautiful 22-year-old son. Three months later, I became pregnant again by a different guy, and I wasn't so lucky that time. My mom told me there's no way you having that baby, but I wanted to have that baby so bad. 
But she said, no way. She took me to the abortion clinic and I kept crying and kept crying. So the nurse brought me back out to my mom and said, she keep crying, we can't do it. My mother gave me a look and I knew what that look meant. So we went to the car and she said, LaVette, when you come back tomorrow, you better not cry. So I did just that. I cried in the parking lot, put my big girl pants on and went back in the next day and had the abortion. The nurse said two things that rattled me. She told me, she just keep moving. I knew then I had a daughter and I felt like that was her last fight for life. A couple of months later, I got pregnant again by a different guy. But I knew the routine now. I said, hey, I'm just having an abortion. Nobody in my family knew. I knew to cry in the parking lot and go inside and win your Oscar, don't cry at all. And I did just like that. And my whole life was going downhill from there. I became more promiscuous, drinking, drugs, and I even attempted suicide. Then my husband came into my life and he loved me right where I was at. And he loved the Lord. So I said, that's what I'll do, I'll do religion. I could do that really good, so I'll just mimic his behavior. And I went to a pregnancy center and thought, I'll help all these women. But the saving was for me. I needed to save it. And I was asked the question, have you ever had an abortion? Usually I lie about that. But this particular time I said yes. And I didn't admit to just the one abortion. I admitted to both of them. And they sent me to abortion recovery program, which was amazing. I was hesitant and I was angry. But at the end, I received God's healing and his grace. And I wish I could say I jumped right into ministry and started telling my story. No, it took me four years to even do any of that. And now I help other women deal with healing and um, tell my story to other people. Now, I still struggle. My six-year-old asks me while I'm getting all this stuff prepared for these programs. She said, Mommy, what happened to my brother and sister? Why are they in heaven? And I sat down and I told her, when Mommy was young, she did something really bad. She gave me a look like mommies don't do anything bad. And I said, I had your brother and sister in my tummy and I didn't want them there anymore. So I went to the doctor. She looked at me, she said, what did the doctor do? And I thought, well, what words do I use? I say abortion, she won't know what that means. So I told her, he killed them. And tears rolled down her cheeks. And she said, mom, I wish I'd have got a chance to meet him. And I said, I do too. I wish I could have kissed him and hugged him. And from a six-year-old, she looked at me, she said, you can still kiss him. Well, how can I kiss him? She kissed her hands and looked up to the sky and said, that's how. And then she grabbed my face as gentle as she could and was like, but promise me something, mommy. Promise me you would never do that again. And I promised her I wouldn't. So I say to parents, you know, if your kid come to you and say she's pregnant, love her right where she's at. There's options out there for her. You know, because as my six-year-old showed me grace and mercy, you can do the same for your child. Because sometimes the only way kids see that is through our parents, you know, our actions. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Hi, I'm Amy Ford. Um, I grew up in church. I was the church girl that never got in trouble. 
I had a great family. I would even march outside abortion clinics with my family when I was little and silently pray for life. And I always knew I was praying for the babies, but I never really thought about what the mommies would be feeling. And I always knew that one day I would never have an abortion, but until I got pregnant. I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19 years old. And coming right out of high school, I was so scared and so worried. And me and the father of the baby, we just had convinced ourselves and believed the lies of the enemy that our life was over and that we were gonna be homeless and that we would be on the side of the road and our parents were gonna kick us out and they were gonna hate us forever. And we just believed it enough to make the appointment to go to an abortion clinic. And we scheduled it and they made the father of the baby wait out in the waiting room. We went in and they did the sonogram and I had thought, well, there's a pill you can take if you're less than six weeks along that the baby just goes away and I try not to think about where the baby goes to. And so when they did the sonogram, they said, well, you're a little too far along to do it that way. These are the methods that that we do it. And they started explaining it to me. And I had been stuffing down all the emotions and really been in robot mode and just trying not to think about it and getting through it and just know that if I just get through this abortion, then I'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. But for now, I just need to get through it. So in that moment, when they did the sonogram and I saw the little uh, fetus and baby on the screen, I just, all the emotions just came up right then and I just started bawling and crying so hard and I was so scared and I started actually hyperventilating and I passed out in the abortion room and when I came to the nurses were standing over me and I really believe that God gave me a sign and an angel of a nurse because the lady that she gave me a drink of water and said you know what you are too emotionally distraught to make a decision like this today you can come back another day but today is not your day you're not getting an abortion and so I walked back out into the waiting room and I told the father and the baby were still pregnant. And so we just decided in that moment to just see what happens. And all those lies we had thought, then we had believed that the enemy had told us about our life being over, they were all just that. They were lies. Of course, our parents were disappointed, but it was not what we had thought it would be. They were supportive, and it took a little bit of time, but by the time the baby came, they were so happy. Our little boy is such a blessing, and he has blessed our lives. I can't imagine what my life would be without him. And um, we ended up getting married, and we have four kids now, and they're is life after this that you can go forward if there's any girls that are watching right now and especially church girls that you feel extra shame and condemnation because you feel like you would have you should have known better I just want you to know that there is life past this and God loves you so much and he will use this for good he promises he will turn everything for good for those that love him and you do love him and you just be brave and be courageous get involved in a church family and let the church love on you and get some support and you can get through this. We love you too. Life, hope, and truth for Generation Now. This is Hashtag Gospel. Relevant, inspiring, and straight to the point. The gospel and what it means for us. There's a man in L.A. who lives a life most of us can't begin to imagine. For nearly 30 years, this man has adopted terminally ill children, one after another. Each time, he knows his new child will live a painful life, will require his nonstop care, and will eventually die. He knows the physical and emotional pain this will cause him. He knows the cost, and he chooses to love them anyway. 
There's a story in the Bible of a strange wonder in the desert, a bush that is engulfed in flame without being consumed. In that miracle, God reveals himself to a man called Moses. This name, I Am, means that God is eternal, that he has no beginning and no ending, that he has always been and will always be present. Later on in the Bible, in one of the most controversial scenes in the life of Jesus, Jesus says to a crowd of devout Jews, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. This Jesus, the same Jesus who would eventually die on the cross to forgive our sins and reconcile us back to God says, you wanna know who I am? I'm God, I'm eternal. In every event that was and is to come, the name I am means that when Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, he did so not naively, but with eyes wide open. He saw every ounce of sin and brokenness in humanity, past, present, and future. Like the father of terminally ill children, he knows the cost and he chooses to love us anyway. There is no sin or mistake that will ever surprise I am. He is and will always be present. And that presence means that we can have freedom from believing that our sin is somehow greater than his love and forgiveness. This is the gospel. Hashtag gospel. View each message as an amazing animated video at hashtaggospel.com. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at hashtag gospel. It's time for a bottle of Bill's Wisdom, a short, single-serving message of wisdom from our friend, Pastor Bill Leach. A news event in 1995 shocked both sides in the cultural wars, culture wars controversy. Norma Leah McCorvey, the Jane Roe of the famous Roe v. Wade court case of 1973, converted to Christ, got baptized, and joined the pro-life campaign. Most astoundingly, it was the director of the anti-abortion group Operation Rescue who influenced her. As she tells the story, the change occurred when that director stopped treating her like an antagonist. He apologized for publicly calling her a baby killer and started spending time with her in the parking lot that Oddly enough, their offices shared. In time, McCorvey accepted an invitation to church from a seven-year-old girl whose mother also worked for Operation Rescue. Pro-abortion forces had dismissed McCorvey, her dubious past of drug dealing, alcohol, and promiscuity made bad public relations. But Christian leaders took the time to counsel her in the faith while keeping her out of the spotlight for a time while she grew as a disciple of Jesus. You see, Christians don't, in the final analysis, fit any culture's mold. We have no enduring city here. We're adopting the values practices and beliefs of the city of God which is to come and never pass away. That's what Hebrews 13 is all about. In verse 1 of Hebrews 13 we read, keep on loving each other as brothers. Work at Philadelphia. 
phileo being the word for love and Delphia being the word for brothers. We're to love people who are just like us. But verse 2 says to work at Philozania. Do not forget to entertain strangers, people not like us. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. Verse 3 follows, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are being mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. There's something weird going on here. Love your brothers and sisters. We get that. Love strangers. Love people that aren't like you. Care for prisoners and the oppressed. In short, love the city that will never love you back. As we've heard from today's stories, people are really hurting from the aftermath of abortion. And we don't ever want to stand in the place of condemnation or self-righteousness. If anyone's looking for solid post-abortive help, we've created a page on our website called The Haven. This page is jam-packed with resources, links, and videos. Stop by thinktwicetv.com forward slash haven or call 1-800-395-HELP. Our next episode is entitled Swayed from Suicide. We'll hear from those who dealt with depression and hardships that brought them to the brink of suicide, but they were miraculously saved. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Find original videos, true life stories, and content to help you grow your faith at thinktwicetv.com. This project is sponsored by Media Messengers Evangelistic Association, revealing the love and power of God through media. MediaMessengers.org. If you like the show, follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at MMessengers, on Instagram at Media Messengers, or subscribe to our growing YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media Messengers. And please, please help us reach more people by sharing this podcast. Lastly, check the show notes for links and resources. God bless.